five, six, seven, eight. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Five Six Seven Eight, a podcast about dance training. My name is Rebecca Bärstol, and today's guest is Robin Jonsson. Welcome. Hello. Thank <laughs> you. Um, we are in my kitchen in Stockholm, and uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Uh, so I'm a choreographer uh, in contemporary dance for long, I don't know how long. I finished parts in 2008, so 14 years ago. Um, yeah, and that, um, that's me. <laughs> and um, I lately, I work a lot with technology, I like with i worked for a while with robots as performers and now with virtual reality as a kind of platform to do shows in. Um, but I also work with humans, not only with technology. And um, I mean, that's for work. <laughs> Except for that, I have two kids. Uh, I live in Stockholm. I used to live in Brussels in par- when I studied at Parts and then I stayed there. So I lived there for 12 years. And um, I think I'm, um, in many ways, I'm affected by that. So and I, I moved there when I was 19. And um, speaking of training, I actually, I almost don't dance at all, but I do a lot of martial arts. Which really, how to say, it satisfies me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's, nice. it's, it's like a great, I think it's a great training for me. Cool, I will ask you more about that soon. Mm. Um, but uh, we met the first time actually at the Danish National School of Performing Arts. Because you did a workshop. Do you remember this workshop? Where we it's, did like... Uh, when was this? Um, Fuck, that's a long time ago. 2015, maybe 16. Mm-hmm. We were like mimicking video game yeah. characters to make movement material. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I, in the beginning, I was, yeah, working a lot with computer games and stuff. Mm. I I started that in parts. And it's fun to do, like, we did that, you really, really precisely copy their movements because it's quite weird and specific and kind of, like, contemporary dancers, they're so good in moving and in, like, in like uh, shaping their bodies to a certain form so it's like it's really i enjoyed like how how good dancers were in this you know like another another kind of circus artist wouldn't be as good like mimers maybe would but i mean it was fun to see like how they could become this shape that had all these meanings and like also in games their bodies are like so weird they're big and they like the proportions are totally off and yeah and heavy and they're quite like fantastical mm-hmm. nice um so to start to get to know you a bit more and your dance training background i wonder how do you how you started to dance in the beginning i, I was kind of i was really not a dancing guy when i was young i was kind of i don't know i had this weird image of dance. my sister was dancing then my brother, bigger brother, started to dance in this dance school at Slussen in Stockholm, Movit Dance Center. 
And then I was like, yeah, maybe I can. And then he started street dance with like Carl Dayal or something. This cool hunk guy who was really pretty. And uh, and then there were, they were starting like a, a funk dance group only for boys. And then they, then I started with a friend. I started with a friend in a funk. And it was like kind of a huge contrast to my, because I mean, I was really like a soccer guy, like in Swedish football, like a soccer guy and like this typical male context. And then we got to move with dance center, which was like really the opposite. Um, uh, and also in terms of like masculinity and how you like act as a man. It was like two worlds. And move it was like, it was a really nice place. I mean, the, it was like very generous and like happy and like the, it was like great, great teachers. Uh, so my sister, me and my brother, we were there, studied there. Mm-hmm. And it's not so clear, like, but at some point I stopped with soccer and I'm sure it's because of like the, uh, how do you say, how do you say grabbighet? Like the way dudes are together in a group, especially mm-hmm. in soccer, it's kind of horrible. I mean, it's super like macho and it's super, you have all this like penalism where you like punish each other for doing stuff. You shoot balls on each other's asses and you know, like it's such a weird it's like a certain kind of masculinity. But I mean, I was kind of young, but I don't really remember. But I mean, I, I did, I didn't like it anymore, let's say. And I only uh, danced. And then that school closed. And then they really, really encouraged me to continue dancing. And then I went to like a ballet school in town. And I wasn't like, oh, I love this, but it was like fun. I was like the only guy and I was okay. I was not like amazing, but I was the only guy, um, which was also like, at the time, it was nice. It was like a lot of women around me. Like it was, and, and, and I was like appreciated by the teacher. So it was nice. So, but it was kind of even like, I, I kept on doing it because it was okay. And then, yeah, she encouraged me to apply to the Swedish ballet school. And I was like, okay, why not? Uh, that could be fun. Um, and then we were like, I don't know, we were four boys or... No, maybe we were six and four got in or, you know, something like this. So it was very easy to get in compared to the uh, women, uh, girls because they were like hundreds. And, um, and then I was like, had this image of becoming a ballet dancer but that was not so realistic but then we had this uh, great teacher Bussarenander in like improvisation and composition and stuff and then I kind of like understood that I wanted to create my own stuff Mm. to choreograph and he was so good in this in like encouraging this um, in the ballet school because very early on we just had to like do all these tasks like choreograph stuff basically we just had to start Mm. Um, and he was like very, he was a bit, I don't know, he, he had like fun and he had a sense of humor. He was like making fun of himself and uh, like it was, it was far away from this, like the, the classical ballet style with like teachers, like telling students that their bodies are bad in some way, like too fat or whatever. And he was more this kind of allowing 
not like hippie, but you know, in that way, a bit like a bit loose and free. And then let's see. Yeah, then then uh, finished there, and we did some like me and some friends. We did this like bank dance, which was like in mean stance on a bench. We did it in Hultsred, this music festival, and we're like, oh, did some stuff. And then like a call for parts went out. Like we read them, like yeah, let's apply. Why not? Uh, and me and a friend, we got in. Uh, which I think is super lucky because there's like so many people applying. <laughs> um, but I, I did work a bit also as a dancer, like I worked a bit with Malin Elgan, for example, which was great fun. Mm, but then I got into parts. And um, yeah, I knew I wanted to do my stuff. So and parts was really great for this. I mean, you had two years of like hard just dancing constantly but then and, and but you're also obliged to do some pieces yourself and then in the last two years we had like loads of time and support mm. to do our own work like with great they would take in kind of like mentors for you um to help you and also we, we would have like a super nice tour with our like we went to lissabon and to gothenburg and to germany and france like to Tunis, to like everywhere. Mm. So that was also really great. Great to like, before you finish, you, you, you were like, you knew a bit about what it means to tour. Mm. And like, you need, you need to have connections and network and how do you sell your pieces and all this kind of like the, the logistics of being a choreographer. Yeah. Besides the making part of the education, how did you experience the, the two years of intense training? The tourism of intense training, it was, I mean, in parts it was really good. I mean, the, the, we had some very, very good teachers, but I did feel, I have this thing with training that it like, we learn, we have so, so many technical dance classes. And I mean, first there's ballet. I think we do, ballet is great, but I think we do maybe a bit too much. Also from, from my training in parts, we had like really, really good teachers, but to me, they feel... I started to feel in the last years like it's a bit too similar still. Like I think it's all great teachers, but couldn't we have like something just very different? And actually one week we had like a tango cl tango class. And that was like, fuck, that's great. Like, let's just do, like we can still use our skills and like improve the, or like our tools, our bodies, but it doesn't have to all be this kind of contemporary. I don't even know the word some people say like, developed from release techniques i don't even know what, but like this kind of what we call contemporary like there are so many ways of training your body that are beneficial i think for dancers and i, I would have wished to have more diversity mm, but i i mean it was good but yeah in the end i felt like i i, I lost motivation I, I was like this is i want to try something else because mm. mm. I love to learn stuff like I love to try new stuff like to learn new stuff with my body I think it's super also I think I mean as a contemporary dancer I think you learn a lot uh, about contemporary dance when you know like studying I don't know what yeah like tango or even football like it's still training and it's, and it's like it's really another kind of ideology and that like kind of informs like, why do I train? Like, I do, what do I believe in? Like, what, what is contemporary training? Like, I think we understand that by training something else. Mm. Mm. So I think it's really, but it also has to do with like, I think 
I mean, I work a lot with engineers and developers. I think also in, on that side, we could also benefit from like having other kind of workshops in schools. For mm. example, like I work with an engineer for three weeks or a light designer or whatever. Like yeah. they have kind of different, more diversity in disciplines. Mm. And you mentioned you train martial arts. Yes. When did that start? So it was actually just after I finished parts. Okay. So uh, I found, or me and my girlfriend, we found a kung fu club in Brussels. And it was it was so nice. It was really, like, I still miss it. It was so... Um, it, it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a really nice contrast to contemporary dance. Because first of all, it's... It's very clear, like it's, it's, the mechanics are like really clear and every detail is very set. And if you like, once you understand how to, what stance to take, like how do you stand, then you like, it's like, it's really like, um, uh, stairs. Like you learn A and then you can add B and then you can add C and you, you, what they tell you, it's like, there is no question that it works, that it makes you more efficient, that you're using less energy, that you're becoming more explosive. Like it's really, it just kind of works. While in contemporary dance training, it's like, it's a lot of, I still, at least when I study, it's a lot of belief and some ideology, but we don't really talk about the ideology. But it's like, you have to kind of understand the teacher's beliefs and kind of adapt to it in a way. And like, it's not so, to me, it hasn't been so clear. Mm. And also there's like, there's also the hi hierarchy thing, like in contemporary dance, there's not a really, there's less and less of an, of an hierarchy. Like, I mean, I've had, you could have a student in parts who's like, I think this class is useless technically, I'm not gonna do it. And he could argue for it. While in martial arts, if you say this, you're totally out. But also like, why are you even here? There's like no point in, in um, it's a very clear hierarchy and you can only criticize. It's like, it's really the stairs. And when you're up there, you can start to sort of discuss the mechanics and like how to move and the technique. But in dance, we have this like, I don't know if you know what I mean, it can be, the actual technique can be quite vague. Mm. It doesn't have to be bad that it's vague, but I just really appreciated the very clearness of martial arts. And not mm. all martial arts are like this, but this one really was. Mm. And it's really, you know, like, if you have this pose with, like, your arms stretched to the side and your, your, like, fingers in a certain structure, and then it's like they can correct you, like, your angle of... It's super precise. Um... And it's really quite formal. Also, it's like so clear what you're working on. I remember in the end of part, someone was like, you had this final like com comments and stuff. And someone was like, you could work more on your explosivity, explosivity, which I think was true. But, but I was like, but no one has ever said this to me mm. whatsoever. It's like, and that's fine, like, it's not like a manga, but in martial it's like so clear that you're working on explosivity and it has to do with your grounding, like how you're standing, where you're putting your weight and your hip. And like, I can teach anyone this. 
anyone in a few days I will make them really good at punching from the ground like there's no it's it's really like it's a clear methodology so I was just so happy to have this like very clear framework it's a clear hierarchy in in hierarchy they were not like mean or anything like that but it was clear like this is the master listen and respect to this person um, and it, it it creates a kind of calm like it's very it's very there's like it's very easy to go into that structure and then it's also like for example that kung fu was a traditional system so very or like a shaolin style which is super old and uh, it's so close to dance training like if you would take away all the language or like ideologies like it's so similar what you're working on it's like balance and agility and speed and explosivity and like multi how do you say like multitask like they're so it's like because you have these long forms for example and they just look like this uh, like a solo like there are differences in mainly in like force because there's so much strong fast directed force in martial arts and we have it less in contemporary dance and it often has an end it's it's never really it can be a bit flowy but then it's like a snake style or something like the snake is a bit flow it's it kind of like envelops the other person but otherwise it's like really really like as if you're hitting someone but mm. in there um also martial arts tends to be very very intense which i also i really i think like i'm a kind of person who needs that mm. really really intense training because it's really not always but it depends on i mean i've done i started kung fu then i did uh, then we moved here then i did a style called taido and i've tried two different kinds of taekwondo styles and i also did something called srinni kempo and now i do thai boxing since like two years so it depends on the martial arts, but, but um, it's this feeling of, um, you, 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 I, don't, I don't spend a second thinking about what time it is, for example. Like I'm so mm. into it, mm -mm. like during the whole class. Because like if I do, for example, with Thai boxing, which is like the, the hardest martial art I've done, it's also like very oriented to sparring like to fighting i mean it's yeah sparring is is like a f it's a way of fighting but it's rules of course it's not free fighting but um uh, it's very geared toward sparring and then like if i would drop my attention i would likely get hit so it has this full like it i'm so focused and into it um which is great and it's very very intense you're you're like maxing your energy the whole time and it's kind of mean, but in a nice way. For example, like with a lot of uh, classes, you do this intense physical like cardio. Then you do the actual class, which might be a lot of like hitting pads and stuff, which is heavy. Um, and then maybe you do sparring, which is extremely intense. And then in the end, you do another cardio. So like you're so, so dead. You can never manage like all the push-ups, all the burpees, all the... You're like, you're like a mess on the floor. Mm. every time so it's um you're like really really pushing it which um i think is like what i need mm. somehow yeah i'm gonna unplug our refrigerator oh no is it but it's not so bad no
And I've, I've had one of those in Brussels. Yeah. And I would like share it in the... Exactly, but it, it was okay. Mm. <laughs> if you um, think about all this training that you have done, mm. both in dance and martial art, could you mention something that you are thankful for that it has taught you and mm. brought to your life? Mm, yeah, actually both of them. It's kind of funny. I think, at least when I compare it to like others around me who have not had that training, I'm I'm kind of. I use my whole body, you know, like I can open like a door with my foot if I want, or like I, I or I can squat very easily, and I can like, like my whole body is um, available to me, and I think. The older I get, the, like the clearer it is that that's actually really a good thing. I, like when you grow o- really older, like you really want like mobility and you want like to be able to squat and sit and like it's. Um, I I enjoy. I enjoy that sense of like. How I can move, but also sort of a kind of spatial awareness of where stuff is, you know. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. So I read an article that you wrote for Teatertidningen. Yeah. Theater mm. magazine in 2001, I think. No, 2021. Yes. Yeah. yeah it sounds right. And uh, the title was in Swedish, but I've translated it to sort of that uh, technology must be put in the hands of artists. And in the beginning, you write about something that you call the third wave of digitization and that it has entered many areas of our society and you call it a paradigm shift that has happened like the last 10 years or so yeah could you say something more about this third wave of digitization what does that yes. mean i remember looking it up when i wrote it but i'm i'm not an expert but like the third did i write that the third wave will come yeah that it has come i think that it has come it has come i mean then because i think a lot of people are just talking about that like we're entering a shift where i mean i mean now now i mean things are like where we are in general just very very digital like especially it's very clear for example with our phones and like how much how like omnipresent they are at least in like western societies Uh, but also you have like cars who are very digital actually like how they're being driven and you even have like like the the bank system is very digitalized and also even like when surgeons are performing surgery it's it's often like with digital tools like and the tools are like fundamental they're not like an extra they're like really basic in how you in like their meaning Uh, and then now we're entering like for example with 5g who's now coming and maybe like 6g things will just quickly become like i mean what they think is that more objects will become put online like objects in our surroundings like our fridge or whatever or our windows or but also we will be able to interact like in real time much faster so like So now, I mean, now there are like, there are, um, there are like, there was this article the other day, like that they can perform someone, I don't remember where, it was on another continent, like the US, performed the heart surgery, I think in the UK, but like online. 
and it's good enough that you can like he can do this with these tiny tools he can do a precise perfect okay. surgery like this so you have all these things and like they talk about how every car will be online like um, linked and then in theory there won't be any lines like any queues of cars because they're all synchronized so like this car is on the way and they it, this car knows that there's a traffic jam here so it will take another route mm -hmm. or you know like you don't need to keep a distance because they're all perfectly synchronized mm -hmm. like that's the promise there's always this like huge promises of technology and they might not always be fulfilled uh, so it's like this hyper everything will be connected in real time like that's the and for example like when i do my pieces in vr it's all online in real time but it, there's always this tiny delay we also have a a very clear limit on like how much data can be presented you know there's like a bandwidth issue so we cannot put as much in as we want basically um and if that's if that um, bandwidth would be bigger, we could have like many more perf uh, many more audience members and performers. That the the environments could be like even more beautiful. They could interact with even more objects. Mm. They could maybe like interact with their phone from wherever in the world. Like it's just this kind of um, um, like the now we have a technical limit. Mm. Because you also mentioned in this article that, especially with COVID, you noticed that the performing arts are a bit behind with yeah. this development. Uh, for example, that maybe we think digitalization is filming yeah. a piece made for a stage and then like showing that on internet. <laughs> um, what are... Are there other things where you... Why why are the performing arts behind on this? Yeah, that's a really good... I mean, that's what I would like to ask people who don't like when we digitalize the performing arts. But I mean, at, I've heard... I have colleagues from Bina Bombast who are in theater. In, they work in Malmö and we work a lot together. And they, as I understood it, they've had really like people saying like, this is not theater, like being very, very critical from the theater field. I haven't really had that kind of resistance in dance. No one has been like, oh, there was one guy from, I forgot where he's from, Zagreb or something. He was like, oh, this is awful. This is not performing art. Like this is, but he, but he had, he, that was his opinion before he saw the show as well. Like, so, but I mean, there is some kind of ideology, like, I don't know, like that performing arts should not be technology, like should not be made from technology, not like mass produced or not like, it shouldn't also maybe have to do with this, because I mean, this, these technologies, they're made by these huge companies that are like consume, like Facebook and gaming companies. Not only, but partly, and then maybe they think that like contemporary dance or art should not be involved in this. I don't really know. Mm. Or like that it has to be human bodies live in the same room. I don't know. Like there is some kind of... But I mean, the big exception is uh, music, which is like so extremely digitalized. And it's really like fundamentally digitalized. Like they use it when creating, they even use it when like sketching stuff it's it's digital and like it's so 
you cannot really imagine music without digital like because then you would only have people like playing in bars like because they wouldn't be able to distribute it they wouldn't be able to use all their tools they, like even speakers and, and in dance like we have nothing of this and i don't i'm not saying we're gonna become what music is but i mean there's just like there's literally nothing and i think one i mean one explanation is that the human body is very complex it's really really complex um and i think still that music isn't as complex <laughs> but the body really really is complex so it's and it is kind of now that we can render it in real time in a virtual environment for example so it is i mean it's it's like and the, and the, it, the technologies are not so extremely expensive anymore mm. but there are others like in the in research like in universities and in companies there are like there are projects where people are digitalizing the body more or less for dance so like it's being done but not by dancers not by choreographers mm. but by someone else by the entertainment industry well, but what does that mean to digitalize a body like that they can i mean i think it could mean super many things especially in our context but now i mean like that there are, that they can create a copy of a body uh, very well in, in in a digital like a digital copy and then or like a robotic uh, body mm. that can be used live uh, and then like use it for like to dance or to present something that is like similar to dance um and my interest is like i want to do it live in real time like to to record it is easier you can pre-record it and then present it but i i like to do it live mm. and in this article you're also arguing for that the artists must get involved in the development of these technologies. Yeah. Uh, why are you? Yeah, I think in like that? I think, or what I see now, because there is we're we're kind of on step like zero point one, like it's not so used yet in dance, for example. And then there is just so much like artistic potential. There's like so much fun. It's like really fun, and I think it's also interesting works. Like there's just so much work we can do. And it's like, it's like this whole field of, of tools that no one has like used. Um, and I think what I see also when I work with computer games and then robots and now VR, that like, I'm, I'm attracting really another kind of audience to dance and dance can be very uh, exclusive or it can be quite, it can be, there's a lot of people who don't go to dance. But some of them have come to my shows. So there's like, it can also introduce dance to others, basically. Uh, and, ki- and in that sense, make dance a bit relevant to more people. And dance is such a tiny little, it's so small, the world of dance. It's tiny. Uh, and it's just nice to make it bigger. And, and finally, as I said, like there are others. I mean, like, like I said, like the digitalization of dance or like what it could mean to have like digital live dance, it's being worked on in other fields, but not by us. And I think it makes sense that we should also do that. Uh, that like, because we're the artists, <laughs> like I don't want. Um, I think we should like also just be there when like where there's technical development if dance is involved and i think like suddenly we will have this like new shift and we will have all this like 6g or 7g it will be hyper connected and then i think it's just great if 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 we if we or some of us just can be ready and like use that technology too 
But if we never like develop anything, we're just gonna stay in like step zero and like I don't know. I think it's just um, I think like dance matters and like could matter in that context. It should, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would love more to use technology. Like for sure, I don't want people to do exactly what I do. But like it's just. I mean, there are many technologies that are just like super nice to work with because we, we tend to be a bit technophobic. Mm. So there's just like, and there's AI and there's robots, but there's also kind of like all kind of hybrid forms of VR, AR and XR, which is like, I think it's in a performance context is super interesting because you have AR, which is now like there are a bunch of new headsets coming like from Apple and from Meta, Facebook and stuff. And they have a focus on AR and that's augmented reality. So you can like see, you can choose to see a virtual world a bit like in Alone Together, my piece, but you can also combine it with the real actual world, uh, which, which also gives like a lot of new tools. And I think or a lot of thinkers and people who know, they say that AR will become like will will be like a foundation in a big shift in how we use technology today like they a lot of people foresee that it's basically just like we wear lenses or something or glass or tiny glasses and you will like it will just be this digital overlay like over on like across your real vision mm. but of course you don't know this but i mean it, it they do ar like in any movie you know when you have like you have a soldier with this screen or you have like this kind of tech whatever that's all AR like it in fiction it's 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 so omnipresent in fiction mm. where they where they use technology and it would make sense like that you can because it's just like it's another like information overlay of your reality but it could also like help you I mean, the most simplest thing is like how they already tried that you basically have Google Maps, but in your glasses. So you see like they close at six and I want to call them and then you just point on them and you call them like mm. that. You have like you have this kind of uh, geographical information, but from your glasses, for example. like there's just a lot of um, possibilities and of course dangerous, blah, blah, etc. But I think AR like there is clearly something there. And it's like, it's so, also speaking of VR and all these technologies, like we, in, um, in our actual lives, we use these technologies so, so much. And I think there's a point then in also using them in artistic processes, kind of, to kind of reflect this or point to this, or also to like problematize it. Cause I mean, there are lots of stuff to problematize too. But I think it's weird that they should like be excluded from mm. artistic works, um, which now is a bit the tendency, because um, they are really omnipresent and they're gonna be even more. So also we have this thing. I, I mean, what I think will come is screens that are not screens really, but like a lot of people foresee sort of omnipresent screens that like your wall is actually a screen when you want it to be a screen. So we will just have all this like I don't think we're gonna get away from them. But I also see the point of not wanting to use them at all. But I mean, now it's like, it could be a bit more of a balance, mm. maybe. Some of us could, yeah. could get involved. Yeah. But I know it's also, it's also for sure a learning curve and technology costs. And especially as freelancers, we like, 
we, we, we really don't have enough resources at it as it is. But that's why I think like the schools could do a lot more to like encourage a kind of like just experimental um, attitude. Because um, I work a lot with sound and I, I actually was a bit, uh, for a while I went, I was giving like lectures at uni arts just to, or like also giving workshops just to encourage dance makers to like just try, like just just go ahead and try with it, like learn, learn by doing, like just um, like some basic knowledge about sound. Because um, even sometimes with sound, it's just, it's quite limited in how people use sound. It's better now, but before it was like, it was just, I mean, it's just a great tool if you want that tool, but if you're never shown the tool, like you're not going to use it, of no, course. Right. Um, yeah. And also like video, which is now actually coming a bit, which I'm very happy about. Like just like start working with screen, start working by film, start like trying, open that door. Like what does it mean to have a camera? Mm. Yeah. yeah, you you finished this article with a quote ah, that I'm gonna yeah. read. So uh, it goes like this: We must expect great innovations to transform entire techniques of the arts, thereby affecting artistic innovation itself, and perhaps even bringing about amazing change in our very notion of art. And this was a quote from Paul Valery mm. from 1931. And I think when I came to see your piece alone together at Norrlands Operan, I think my notion of art or maybe technology or both changed because I knew a bit what it was going to be about, that it was virtual reality and I didn't have much experience of that. And I had this uh, prejudice that because it was technology, it would not be like bodily or physical um, even though I was interested in the performance and I was really taken by how physical that experience was but before I go into my experience could mm. you tell a little bit about the piece alone together yes happily that's nice to hear that's great to hear um, yeah so it's always a bit hard to explain this without the person experiencing it but i will try my best so so the audience comes to a venue and they get these vr headsets that look like huge ass glasses or something like uh, it's hard to explain if you haven't seen them but yeah they're like glasses that are super big and you all get some instructions on how to use them and then you put them on and then yeah then you enter like I mean, it's like a computer game world. It's a virtual digital world, but but you have a body. You're there, like you're there. Um, yeah, how to say? It? You're embodied. That's what I think is the thing. Like you're embodied. You have a body, and you you have your arms in front of you, but it's virtual arms. It's not your actual arms. And then you see all the other audiences are also there, and then you can change your avatar and how you look. And then you also see eventually you see the dancer. And the physical dancer, she's wearing this motion capture suit with many, many sensors on her body. And, and uh, how we made it is, is so that um, thanks to this suit, her body is rendered in this virtual world in real time. So her full body is represented in real time, but we're changing her appearance, but her form, her shape is exactly what she's doing, uh, but we're changing her avatar. 
and um, and and also like she's yeah she has really a full body she has arms and legs and neck and like she can move her entire body um so it's really like and, and everyone can walk around freely and talk and move and interact and walk through each other because in virtual reality you can i mean this, there's no physical limits in that sense um and there they um yeah, there's like uh, then they're then they're trend. It's hard to to like summarize it, but it then they travel to this mountain top with like this epic sunset, and there is like a little dance show, and then the sun goes down, and we lit some torches, which is this like nice light beneath this cherry tree, um, and then slowly she's um, becoming more and more like intimate a bit, like she's um, how to say courting, like she's kind of like. A bit almost flirting with people and coming quite close and she's sometimes oh yeah and then she makes chances dancing like she invites them to dance and then they all like by her on her command she has this men digital menu so she can she's like a god in a way she can like put a music or make people fall or like so she makes them all levitate slowly up in the air above this mountain top in the sunset and she dances with these torches uh, and then then she moves everyone to like an infinite white space and there she kind of says goodbye and she takes off her her motion capture suit and then her body kind of like deconstructs so like because she has a sensor for her head so when she takes it off her the neck of her of her I mean so basically the sensor is hanging on a string from her like from her neck more or less and and when she does that her the neck of her virtual avatar, it basically looks like it breaks. So then it just hangs like super, like the angle is like very, it's not so comfortable. So it's really like, it's a bit uh, brutal, like uh, horrible, like a deconstructed body. And then slowly she's taking the whole suit off and then the whole body kind of moves in this like, and is bent in these impossible ways. And she says like goodbye and that's the end. And, um, and yeah, she has this close, before that she has this, um, she's like caressing someone's cheeks, sometimes she's hugging someone, but virtually you don't. There, we actually had a talk with a, she's a scientist and you have, um, so how we have worked, when you touch another avatar, you don't, there's no, there's no physical feedback, there's no like haptic feedback, but you can still feel as if you're touching, you can still feel something, especially if someone comes like into your personal piece so very close, maybe as if they would kiss you, you do feel something. And I mean, it's not everyone, but most. So it's like, it has this feeling of someone is like, like almost about to kiss you. So it's still, uh, but there's no haptic feedback, but you can use the controllers can vibrate. So you can do like haptic feedback. But we don't need to and the, the the focus of the piece for me is this like super human like one-on-one -on -one contact with like she looks you in the eye i mean her face is a bit dead which is a bit weird but you still feel i think i think you still feel seen and like addressed and a bit like someone is just giving you like so much attention and in a weird way the avatar there's a guy in a a man and a woman in a way they look attractive in a weird like in the way that a computer game character can do so it's kind of a nice feeling a lot of people feel like as if someone flirted with them and i've had audience members who are like 
Or like, oh, I would like to meet him again. <laughs> and then they speak of the avatar. Because yeah. they don't know, they don't see the actual dancer. Sometimes I do so that the dancer is in another room. Uh, in another room. And comes over and then they get to see him or her. Yeah, but but often not. So they don't they don't know who the dancer was. And you you're um, you feel very anonymous because you just you just look like an animal, like a simple animal. So you don't know who. And we have we have toured it. We toured with DanceNet Sweden and then we had audience members in seven different cities. So they don't. There also a lot of audience members are anonymous to each other. Uh, and recently now we we showed it in Düsseldorf and then we stayed, me and the dancer, we stayed in Stockholm and we sent the headsets to Düsseldorf. So the, so the, and we sent a, like a technician who would like instruct them how to use the headsets. Mm. But so we like never met and never, and that's also very weird not to meet the, it's weird not to meet the audience. Mm. Like that's what I miss, this thing of before and after. A show because it's it's so weird like also especially for the dancer like now Emily Volman she was performing and you you do the show and you take off the suit and you're like it's done and you just press like click on your headset and you're like you're not you're done yeah you, you go home and you're actually like touring so it's so weird like to to not travel to Düsseldorf to stay in a hotel to go there and have a beer after the show and then you meet for sure some audience and some pro whatever people and now it's just like I go home or like or which in the summer they did a show when I was on holiday so she did a it's called Slumberland and it was with Bombina Bombast and then I think she told me once like she could go for a swim and then she came back like on Reimersholme or where, where she lived like it's so it just becomes very flexible yeah Mm, which is also like a great thing in terms of like physical distance it's very flexible and I cannot I mean I think it's good for the environment not to travel so much but also I have kids so I don't I can't travel so much it's just not possible so it's very handy yeah like I said as an audience it was really intense and what you said you mentioned many other things but for example, you fall through the ground at one point. Yeah. And like my physical body is sitting on a floor in a dance studio and I have this huge headset or er, mm. glasses on. But I feel that I'm falling. Mm. Or when we're, like you also said, flying mm. up and watching the dancers from above. Um, and something that also became very strong is this these huge hands that you talked about mm. that I started to identify somehow with these hands mm. going around and like I had a friend with me and we talked so I knew which like avatar was her and like touching with these hands it's really strange how fast I started to identify with with this these hands. Also, they're Digital funny hands, hands in this piece because they're like <clears throat> white, white, and they look a bit, I mean, like really white. <clears throat> and also, it's like they have vinyl or something. Mm. Like, it's as a weird, and they're a bit shiny. It's really like... And they're quite stiff, right? Yeah, they yeah don't they're super move. stiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, can, you can basically like close them, but then sometimes they also get stuck mm. halfway. Yeah, it's... Um, that's funny that you mentioned it, because, yeah, sometimes, uh, especially in the beginning of the piece, because I'm there, when people enter, I'm there, so I watch them. 
and in the beginning it's a lot to take in i see them like figuring out what the hell do i how do i navigate but also like just like what what are these hands and then they come to a friend and they're like touching each other's hand and then they laugh and then they're like ah, it's you and then they're like they're like it's it's um it's so weird um it's a, yeah like there's there's a lot like for example also this is not really explored in the piece like there's just so much fun stuff to do mm. um also it's super nice to see people enter because you see like maybe you see the hands they're like laying on the ground and then you see just the head and someone is like oh where am i i see this thing and then they're like a hand comes up or like then someone pops up inside of them because you can do that and we are like it's it's really like weird how like if you listen to how we talk about our bodies it's super weird it's like super bizarre um because you can like separate yourself from or like you have two bodies you're like in two spaces in the same time it's really it's not really it's just super super weird for people and it's it's really nice to see because then they get in then they get used to it mm. but sometimes someone just stays really confused <laughs> and we have to like help them but um but yeah it's i mean it's still kind of new to me <clears throat> some also like actually we premiered just a year ago so it's i'm still like still figuring out what we can do mm. in the future with it but it's clearly something like its own thing yeah mm. It also raised many questions for me because you you mentioned this last moment where the dancer in reality took off her motion capture suit, which in virtual reality looked like the avatar just got like crazy torsion to yeah. the body yeah. and yes. just got left <laughs> in a little pile. Mm. And I know that in another room, this is now only a costume lying on the floor. Yeah. But in virtual reality i wanted to touch this body yeah and it became a question of like but can i can i touch this person because i have just watched for i don't know half an hour this person dance and interact and i've like built a relationship to this body that is Mm. now a pile which is a costume on the floor i know that but still it felt I also had connotations to a dead body and it felt very strange to go up to this pile and start yeah. touching it. Yeah, it's a bit also like some, you see the face is like because it's still blinking and it's it's quite I, I, I see what you mean. It's it's like it's funny because I, I have been asked that like people ask me during or before the show if they can like can I touch them? Can I go through them? Can I look in and 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 some people take the liberty. They, I, I don't know if you did it or if you saw it, but some people they really stick their head into her body when it's okay. when it's finished, and it's actually super nice because you or I like it because it's really just a shell, so mm. it's totally empty. Mm. So you just see like you basically see the the shape of her torso or head from the inside, and like if you look into the head, you see the the back of her eye, okay. of her eyes, but it's just empty inside. Uh. So it's also like super weird, um, but that's kind of like it's an interesting question. And also, for example, in the in the there's this introduction room, the first room, and then someone accidentally walked through someone else, and the one who was walked through asked me if that's okay. 
<laughs> like, is it allowed to walk through someone? And like, I don't really know. Yeah. And it's like, we're still uh, also, but that's also a bigger thing, like in VR, in virtual reality communities, like alt space and all these um, platforms where you meet, like, uh, how do you say? Um, how do you say something again? Consent. Consent and sexual abuse and stuff. Like, there's a lot of sexu- sexual abuse. Uh, and it's still like, what is consent in VR? Like, if I touch someone's ass, is that like a sexual abuse? And like, it's a bit, it's like totally unregulated. And now it's hor- it's really, really horrible, especially like verbal abuse. But it's also like clear that we're kind of figuring out what abuse is in virtual reality. Because sometimes you don't care at all. And like, mm. is it still an abuse? And like, and, and, and it can be, I mean, what we did on ourselves is super nice. Because we, ha- we had, a, in Slumberland, we have two performers. They have the exact same body. And then they would try to match each other precisely. And then mm. you could kind of, if one would put her head back, she would look in the skull of the other one. And that's like, it's just a very, like, it's a super trippy, cool experience mm. too. So it's, I don't know, it's just, um, it's this area we don't really know yet what's happening. But it's, I, I like this picture you made because it, it, it really feels kind of dead or like immobile or like something left it. That it was alive or like present and then it's just completely still. Mm. And that was, that's the, that was the goal to make it like, because also in the beginning it's static, she's just standing and then she starts moving and then she's dead again. So it had this like, because you don't know in the beginning, people have no idea if it's a human or if it's like a pre-recorded, it could also be pre-recorded, but in, but you notice in the end that it's not. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to stay. Like when it yeah. was over, I wanted to stay in the world. That's great. We uh, are running out of time yeah. because you have to leave. Yes. But is there anything else that you would like to add or be asked or ask mm. before we end this conversation? I feel like I'm talking so much about my work. <laughs> um, I'm actually, I'm going to have... Uh, sooner or later I'm gonna have like an open call for other dance makers like a mentorship where they get to use my stuff basically which was part of the what to start to start so I'm just hoping that more and more and also now it's like stuff just had a like Stockholm Fringe Festival had a kind of gathering of people working with digital performing arts and like it's kind of slowly happening stuff but it's like it's taking time but I'm happy we're that the discourse also is kind of like moving on. People start to realize that digitalization doesn't mean uh, just filming a show or like streaming it on Zoom, which like the, I don't think that's necessarily bad, but it's like, it, it means digitalization means a lot more than that. And also like Zoom can be made in so many ways. You can like, yeah, you can just, it's also a tool. So I'm just, uh, I like slowly things are changing and more and more are, are using these tools and um, I just hope we get to see more of it actually yeah nice thank you so much for joining the podcast thank you
Goodbye. Goodbye.